You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. What a delight. (laughs) When we worship, God reorders the universe, (laughs) right? Because the king is on the throne and we sing our praise and he meets us by his spirit. That's what's happening this morning. We're thankful you're here. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. I invite you to have a seat. My name is Keith. If we haven't met, uh, great to have you here. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here at the church uh, and we're just thankful that you're here. Maybe you're visiting uh, uh, out from out of town, or maybe you're kind of like, okay, things are beginning to open up, and you're, you find yourself in a building full of other people, and maybe you feel uncomfortable with that. Uh, maybe you feel great about that. There is room for all of us. <laughs> how, how about that? Uh, this morning, I want to, uh, to open... Oh, yes, kids. I said to Chris, I'm going to forget this. Hey, kids, we are thankful that you have been with us this morning, but you are dismissed to your kids' time. I see we've got Suzanne down here. Uh, If you're uh, unsure as to where to go, parents, you can walk through. uh, Oh, we're downstairs, aren't aren't we? So uh, we're in the gym. So uh, parents, if you wanted to make sure your kids got to where they need to go, if they don't know where to go, uh, Suzanne is down here. She can help you find your way. And we're thankful that you were with us this morning. Uh, And so... Thanks for being here. Uh, th- this morning, I'm going to read uh, a text from John's Gospel. And we're going to pay attention to Thomas, one of the disciples. Uh, and so I invite you uh, this morning to, to hear the word of the Lord afresh on this Easter Sunday. We jump into the story after Jesus has risen from the dead. This is from John Chapter 20, I'm going to read verse 19 all the way to verse 29. Hear the word of the Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, His disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hand? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. 
Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning, I pray that you would awaken us to the reality of all that took place that first Easter Sunday. That in whatever way you choose, Lord Jesus, be present among us by your power, through your spirit, and bring us to life. Invite us in to all that you have for your church, for your people, for this city. And we pray these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone was talking about it. <laughs> and by everyone, I mean everyone who was really important in Thomas's life, right? The people that he had spent the better part of the last three years of his life with, right? That is, the rest of the disciples. They were all talking about it. They were saying, Thomas, Jesus is alive. <laughs> we don't know how. We can't explain it, but we've seen it with our own eyes. Jesus is risen from the dead. And now, the rest of the disciples, they're referring, of course, to what we read in the text at the very beginning, an encounter that they had with the risen Jesus that changed not only the course of their own lives, but changed the course of history once and for all. Right? There they are. It's, uh, we're told in the text that they're in a room, a familiar room to them. Uh, and it's three days after Jesus had been crucified on a Roman cross and buried in a tomb. And we're told they're in this familiar room together and the doors are locked. Uh, and they're locked because the city of Jerusalem was in something of a stir following Jesus' execution. And they're afraid. And then, in a dazzling moment, the once thoroughly dead Jesus was there before their eyes, standing now thoroughly alive. And so they were saying, Thomas, Jesus is risen. We've seen him with our own eyes. But here's the thing. Thomas missed it. Thomas missed it completely. For one reason or another, Thomas wasn't in the room that day. He had missed it. I mean, could you imagine <laughs> what that would be like? You have your closest, most trusted friends telling you that they have seen Jesus come alive. And, and there you are like an outsider looking in, totally on the outside. You know, psychologists have coined a term called FOMO, <laughs> right? It, it stands for the fear of missing out. Uh, and it refers to this, this angst that you feel, this idea that, that your friends are having these life-changing, wonderful experiences without you, <laughs> and you're missing out. And I suspect that Thomas was suffering from a, a very large case of FOMO. <laughs> I mean, let's imagine ourselves in his situation for a moment, right? Okay, you're, you're scrolling through your social media feed. And, and, and it's exploding with the news, right? And so you scroll, uh, and you see a friend of yours has, has posted a selfie of themselves with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, you know? <laughs> Do one of those. 
And you scroll a, a little bit more and you see an article that says the top six places to meet the risen Christ in Jerusalem. You scroll a little bit more, and, and, and there uh, Peter has uh, Instagrammed a picture of, of the broiled fish he ate on the shores of the Sea of Galilee with the risen Christ. You remember that story. You scroll a little bit more, hashtag he is risen, hashtag saw him with our own eyes, hashtag say no to YOLO. I didn't have a TikTok reference because I'm a little too old for that. <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> but there you are, alone with your phone, like an outsider looking in. You missed it. I mean, what do you say? I suspect you say exactly what Thomas said in verse 25. Unless... I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nail was and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. I think that's what I would have said if I was in his shoes. Thomas had missed something, something life-changing, something world-altering. He had missed it. And, and it raises in me an honest question. What if I have missed something about Jesus? <laughs> and I'm a pastor. <laughs> what if you have missed something about Jesus? Because we're not different. What if we have missed something important about Jesus? Something life-changing. Something world-altering. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and you came because you know that your mom wanted you here. <laughs> Uh, and maybe you, you, you've written off the Christian story as a hoax long ago, but you're here just because you're being kind, and, and, and I'm thankful for that. But maybe you've written off the Christian story as a hoax, some, some made-up story for the superstitious, or a crutch for the weak, or, or maybe, like Karl Marx says, an opiate for the masses. But can I ask, what if you've missed something? What if you've missed something important? And for those of us who, who, who maybe come to this place week after week after week and, and we have followed Jesus for a long time, what if we've missed something too? What if Jesus has more for our life than we are currently experiencing? What if there, there, there are more steps of faith that he wants us to take, more to experience of his power, of his love, of his authority, his freedom, more of the adventure of risking our lives for something that's worthwhile? What if we've missed something too? The question that Thomas brings to us this morning is, is what if we have missed something about the power and the reality of that first Easter Sunday, just like Thomas did? But I want you to see what Jesus does. <laughs> Look at what Jesus does for Thomas. He comes back for him. Look at verse 26. It says, a week later. Okay, a week later, meaning it is a week after the other disciples gathered in a room behind locked doors to have Jesus appear to them. It's a week after that, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. It's the same scene. The same familiar room, the same locked doors, the same risen Jesus, the same words are spoken, the same peace be with you. The only difference is this time Thomas is present. Why? Why would Jesus go through the whole thing all over again? It's because he doesn't want to leave Thomas behind. He doesn't want Thomas to miss it. And mark this, church, he doesn't want any of us to miss it either. Jesus comes back for Thomas. And immediately, Jesus addresses Thomas's doubt. Look at verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I mean, Jesus doesn't lambaste Thomas for being a doubter. We label Thomas as a doubter. (laughs) Jesus actually honors his questions. I actually think Thomas is a great model of faith because he asked the question that any logical thinking person would ask. (laughs) Help me understand. And so Jesus, he meets him in his doubt. And the point of all of this is that Jesus doesn't leave Thomas behind. On the outside looking in, he meets him in his doubt in order to bring him into faith. And he does that for every single doubter that he honors the questions that we have. And yes, Jesus has answers. But even more than that, he's inviting us into something greater than we currently know. He comes back for all of the doubters. But it's not just the doubters. He comes back for all the scoundrels and sinners. He comes back for everyone who is bored and uninspired. He comes back for for people who who feel broken in their life, who, who feel like they're hurting. He comes back to every single person because he doesn't want any of us to miss it. What happened on that first Easter Sunday when the power of God broke into the world in the most powerful of ways, he doesn't want anyone to miss the salvation that he has for people. Jesus doesn't leave anyone behind, and perhaps the whole message for you this morning, the only thing that you need to hear this morning, this whole message for you is God saying, I'm not going to let you miss it. I've come back for you. Whether you're a doubter or a scoundrel, or you're just hurting, Jesus comes back for us because he doesn't want us to miss what happened on that first Easter Sunday. And the question is, do we want to be part of that story? Thomas, he he captures one of the great barriers that that every single one of us faces when it comes to faith. He captures it, and, and he actually encapsulates it in one single word. 
It's the word unless. Look at verse uh, 25. We've already read it already. But he says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe unless. Thomas gives this laundry list of criteria that, that he wants Jesus to meet in order for him to, uh, to, to actually believe. And we, we have our own list, don't we? Maybe you have your own laundry list of, of things that, 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 that you want God to, to answer for you before you believe, before you take a step of faith. And maybe for you, you've never taken a step of faith, and, and for you, it's like this story is just so out there that, that, that it's hard for me to believe it. And, and I have these, these unlesses like Thomas did. But maybe as you're here and, and you're a person of faith, we have these unlesses as well. I mean, how many times have you felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to, to be generous with a word or, or something in your life or, or a prompting from the Spirit to, to do something? And we say, okay, God, but if you open the skies and I hear your voice, then I will know that it's you and I'll take the step of faith. We do that. I do that. It's our unless. And we live with these barriers to, 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 to faith. Uh, or unless, we, we have them. We say, unless, God, you part the skies and, and I hear your voice. Or uh, unless you answer my prayer. Or unless you fix my life. Unless you answer for the pain that I've experienced in the past. Unless, God, your church apologizes for the harm that they have caused. Now, I understand the unless. I understand it deeply. But sometimes the thing standing between us and a transforming encounter with the living Jesus is our unless. Thomas had them. And I wonder, what is your unless? What are the things that, the criteria that you are demanding of God in order for you to take a step of faith? I want you to see what happens with Thomas in the story. His unless is never answered. Jesus comes back for him, and Jesus says, Okay, Thomas, I'm willing to meet your criteria. Right? That's part of the story. He says, See, here... Here are my hands, and here's my side, and why don't you look and touch? But in the story, Thomas never touches Jesus. It's as though in that moment, though Thomas had lived with all these criteria he demanded of God for faith, in that moment, they didn't mean what he thought they meant to him because he never touches Jesus. In that moment, his unlesses, they dissolve away. And he looks at Christ and he says, my Lord and my God. See, sometimes our unless becomes this self-imposed barrier that we carry that keeps us from an encounter with Christ. And for Thomas, his unless was never met. And here's the point. The point is when it comes to faith, God actually gives us what we need. And what we need isn't always what we think we need. 
We think we, we need all of these criteria to be met in order for us to take a step of faith, in order for us to follow Jesus in a new way. But the reality is what we think we need isn't always what we need. <laughs> but God gives us what we need. And Jesus is inviting all of us to take a step of faith. Now, I don't know what that looks like in your life. It's going to be different for every person. But I know this. God has given you what you need, and your unless is just standing in the way. He gives us himself by his spirit, and he is calling each and every one of us into the more that he has for us. Hmm. I love Thomas's story. I love it. Okay, another thing I want to see, I want us to see in the text. Jesus actually leaves us all here today. It's as though there's a verse in here that I think he's looking beyond Thomas. Uh, well, I know he is. He says it. And Jesus gives us this challenge today. It's in verse 29. Look what it says. Then Jesus told him, told Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you hear the challenge in here? Right? The challenge isn't for Thomas. The challenge is for those of us who stand on this side of history who have not seen the risen Jesus. Herein lies the challenge. In our life with Christ, we are being invited to live in, in the reality of something that has taken place that we have not seen with our own eyes. Right? We're being invited to live in light of this reality, though we haven't seen it. Now, now what is the reality that we are being invited to live uh, in? Well, it's this, that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God has made a way for, for people to be, uh, to be made whole again, to be powerfully and radically made whole again, forgiven for our past mistakes and our sin, and, and healed from our sicknesses and our tragedies and our traumas, and reconciled not only to the heavenly Father who made us, but also reconciled to the earthly relationships that have gone awry. This is what the story of Easter is inviting us into. On that first Easter Sunday, we see the power of God at work to take something that is completely broken, it's dead, and make it new. To take that which is, is broken and make it whole. And so as, as, as people who follow Jesus, who have his spirit in us, he's inviting us to live in light of that story. Human beings, fully alive, being restored into the image of God to reflect the image of the one who made us. And the challenge is, we have never seen the story fully. And so how do we live in light of that? It's the challenge. We are being invited to live in light of that resurrection reality without having seen it fully, to believe that God has made possible something that we haven't fully seen ourselves. 
And I wonder what that might look like in your life. Is it a broken relationship that the Spirit of God wants to empower you to be a whole person in? Maybe it's in your own mind that you've felt like you've never measured up. Is, is that where the Spirit of God wants to raise you to life, to see that you are worth it? Jesus has shown us you're worth it. Or maybe it's something else. It's, it's a, a struggle, an addiction, something that, that, that the Lord needs to come alongside of. And, and we have people walking with us in these things, right? But the Spirit of God, he wants to do a new work in us. And maybe for, for you, it's you, you've kind of, in your life of faith, you've settled into a rut. But the Lord brings life where there's death. And we are being invited to live our present in light of a future reality that happened in the past. You can listen to that again and figure that one out. <laughs> but it's true. Gary, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Jerry Sitzer, he, uh, he writes, uh, he wrote a book called Grace Revealed, uh, and, and uh, he writes about a time in his life where he went through a real tragic, real tragic thing in his life. Uh, he was driving in a minivan with his family when a drunk driver passed over the center median and hit them head on, uh, and it killed his wife, uh, his daughter, and his mother. And he writes this book, putting the pieces back together after this tragedy. And I want you to hear what he has to say. He shares a story about his son, David, his surviving son, uh, who, as they try to put the pieces together after the accident. He writes this. He says, My son David is and always has been quiet and reflective. After the accident, he was the least likely to talk about it. But when he chose to, he usually had something to significant to say or ask. I had to be ready to respond to him when he sent cues indicating that he was ready to talk. Our best conversations happened in the car. One particular conversation has stayed fresh in my memory. David was eight at the time. We were driving to a soccer match some distance from our home. And typical for these occasions, David was quiet. The car was full of silence. Not a heavy silence, but a liquid silence as if some question were brewing inside of him. Then he suddenly asked, Do you think Mom sees us now? I paused to ponder, Jerry writes. I don't know, David. I think maybe she does see us. Why do you ask? I don't see how she could see, Dad. I thought heaven was full of happiness. How could she bear to see us so sad? Jerry thought for a moment, could Linda witness our pain in heaven? How could that be possible? How could she bear it? And then he responded, I think she does see us, but she sees the whole story, including how it all turns out, which is beautiful to her. And it's going to be a good story, David. It's going to be a good story. See, we live in light of the whole story. And we see a picture of the whole story on that first Easter Sunday. 
When Jesus, through the power of his cross and the power of the Holy Spirit, he broke and dismantled everything that seeks to harm people. Sin, death, curse. And we are being invited to live in light of that future reality today in every aspect of our living. Jesus is inviting all of us to take a step of faith here today, every single one of us. And maybe you've never taken a step of faith. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, or maybe you have put many steps, uh, you've taken many steps of faith, but I want you to know that God is calling you once again. He's calling all of us. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to give us a blood transfusion. He wants to fill us with the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what he does. He fills us with the same Holy Spirit that, that, that rose Jesus from the dead. He wants to bring what's dead in us to life, to bring what's broken in us to wholeness in every aspect of our living, whether it's spiritually, relationally, emotionally, and yes, sometimes even physically, as God chooses, he does that. He wants to bring us from brokenness to wholeness. One of the greatest uh, days in medical history, one of the greatest days in all of medical history happened in Canada at the University of Toronto Hospital in the year 1922. On that day, the ward was filled with children lying lifeless in hospital beds. And they were lifeless because they were all in a diabetic coma. And so you can imagine a scene where, where parents are gathered around the, the bedside of their child who is slipping further and further away from life with every single breath. But on that day in 1922, for the first time ever, the, the, the newly purified and extracted insulin was made available as a treatment. And so a physician went from bed to bed to bed administering insulin to these children who were on the brink of death. And by the time they administered insulin to the last child, the first one began to stir. They began to wake and then one by one by one by one, the children sat up, looked at their parents, began to speak, and they embraced one another. I mean, could you imagine being in that room? A room that was once full of death, now bursting with joy and hope. Ah, that's the reality of that first Easter Sunday. And that is precisely what Jesus is inviting us to experience. Life from death. Wholeness from brokenness. Not because of anything we've done, but because through the cross, Christ has made a way for the grave to be conquered. And he invites us there with him. He is risen. Hey, typically at the end of my message, I, I pray 
but I, I'm not going to do that, not because I don't like prayer, of course. <laughs> As a response, we're going to sing. I, I'm going to invite the worship team up because sometimes our song is our prayer. And sometimes when we, when we sing the truth of what I'm speaking about this morning, God meets us in a new way. And so where do you need his touch? He will not leave you in the dark. He's come back for you. He has what you need to believe. And he's inviting you to say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. Will you stand with me as we sing to the risen Christ?